now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, as we are so excited now to go to that Auburn Bank phone line and bring on a good friend of the program, Chris Gordy. He is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, and he's kind enough to join us right now here today chris we appreciate the time as always how are you my friend i'm doing good man it's uh it's a fun time of year with the super five sec teams in there and you know offense so it's, it's looking pretty good so far yeah no we were fired up by what we saw from the tigers there in their regional 51 runs across three games and now you carry it into a weekend. you got to travel to Corvallis to take on Oregon State. But Auburn uh, is probably ready to have a challenge like this. They went to the World Series, as you know, in 2019. When you look at the five teams in the SEC, Chris, would you say Auburn has one of the better chances of making it to Super Regionals? Or how do you feel about this matchup that they've got in particular? Yeah, this is what it's all about. I mean, it, you know, this time of year it's about who gets hot, who's playing well. And typically it's about who's pitching the best. Now, Auburn's pitching was pretty good this past weekend, and, you know, I, I think they're going to be just fine there. But, man, the, the Red Hot bats, I mean, what they were doing at the plate, if they could carry that over or bring that to Corvallis, man, it's, I mean, they, they should go win this Super Regional. And, you know, I've been looking at this Oregon State team, they're a good team, but it's no, by no means the, the type of teams that Pat Casey had there uh, for years. It's, you know, it, there's no – you know, he used to have, like, dominant pitching, dominant fielding, like, you know, no balls would ever get out of the infield, that sort of thing. That's not this Oregon State team. They are, they are beatable. And so, yeah, man, if Auburn can keep those red-hot bats going there, I, I'm, I'm picking them to win this Super Regional. I think they got a really good shot. Which is exactly what Auburn Tiger fans want to hear. Again, we're talking with Chris Gordy here, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. So, uh, obviously, we've got the SEC footprint in mind, and I know that we're going to take – any potential SEC bias out of this when I ask you the question, but five of the 16 teams left at this point of the season are from the Southeastern Conference. When you look at the last decade or so, Chris, where is the SEC in terms of baseball? It's the best. I mean, I know, you know, Pac-12, the Big 12, they've, they've had some nice runs, but overall, top to bottom, I mean, I, I've said this for the longest. You know, when you got Friday Night Aces in this, in this conference, you know, the guys you know when, that are going head to head Friday night starters, and then you look around the, the big leagues, and you know, I see Casey Bias. I see you know, like all these dudes who, uh, you know, are, are part of starting rotations in Major League Baseball that came from the SEC. It's you know, it, it speaks to the volumes of what the talent level is in the SEC. And so, yeah, you say five SEC teams are in. It really should have been eight. I mean. When I watched the series this past weekend, and you talk about Florida, Vanderbilt, and LSU all lost by one run in their elimination games, <laughs> I thought LSU was the better team in Southern Miss. They should have beat them. I thought I thought Vandy should have won. I thought Florida should have won. It should have been eight SEC teams at Super Regionals this weekend. But look, we can't get greedy. We got five. And you know, I think at minimum three of these teams are going to advance and get to Omaha. So um, you know, I'd like to get greedy and say all five, but I think, I think at least three – 
And what's crazy to me is, you know, if you'd have told me a month ago that Auburn would go to Omaha, I would have said you're crazy. If you'd have told me a month ago that Ole Miss was going to find themselves into the tournament somehow and get to the Super Regionals, I would have said you're nuts. And Texas A&M, I, you know, I interviewed Jim Schlossnagel before the season. He's a great coach, came over from TCU, but he kept telling me how he had to rebuild this thing and how he had to build it from the bottom up. And, man, year one, he's got Texas A&M hosting a Super Regional against Louisville. It's just unbelievable what, what transpired this year in the SEC. Yeah, A&M winning the SEC West. Of course, a lot of it didn't matter because the majority of the conversation in the league this season was what Tony Vitello and the Tennessee Volunteers were able to do. Uh, I mean, Tennessee's chances going into this thing, a lot of people were asking the question, all right, Tennessee or the field, what does that conversation look like as we get set for the Super Regionals? Like, is there a way to knock off the Volunteers, or do we kind of know what's coming here? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, the biggest concern I've had for them is when they get outside of that ballpark. Um, you know, they play in a very hitter-friendly ballpark. I think they're going to be fine with Notre Dame this weekend. Now, I've told, somebody told me Notre Dame is a very scrappy team, but do not count them out. Tennessee's going to have to bring their A game to play well. But my question is when Tennessee gets to Omaha, what if those balls are, you know, all those full runs they've been hitting all year, what if suddenly it's a dead ball? Those are – on the uh, on the warning track, that is what concerns me with this Tennessee team. They've been stellar. Don't get me wrong; that's been a strength of theirs. But the, the biggest strength has been the home run power and hitting all those balls out. And what happens if they get to Omaha and those balls aren't finding their way out of the yard? That's where you know the concerns are for Tennessee. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you're the number one team for most of the year. Tony Vitello talks a lot of trash. Yeah. They back it up. But man, it's it's absolutely it's not Omaha or bust. It's championship for bus. I like that Auburn said that the other day. That you know, it's we're not just we don't just want to get to Omaha. We want to win it all. Yeah, that is absolutely the mentality of Tennessee. If Tony Vitello and Tennessee do not win the, the whole thing this year, it's it's a disappointment to uh, what was otherwise a really special year. All of us want to run through a wall for Butch Thompson anytime we hear him speak, and certainly earlier this week uh, that was the case. As Super Regionals get set this upcoming weekend, and then eight teams go on to Omaha to compete in the College World Series, we'll see how many SEC teams make it there. Chris Gordy, he is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on the show. Let's transition a little bit to football, because talking season is here, uh, five or six weeks away from SEC Media Days. We're looking forward to seeing you there again, this time in Atlanta, Chris. But let's talk about the Tennessee Volunteers. We just talked about them on baseball, and if this was Alabama, we'd be talking Tennessee more frequently, where you have our eyes more geared so toward the Georgia Bulldogs and what they're doing. But uh, tell me what's going on with the Tennessee Volunteers football team team as they get set for this upcoming season yeah uh, I, I mean look there's a lot of hype around Hendon Hooker rightfully so I think uh, I think Josh Heupel is uh, is a really good coach I think he only scratched the surface on what this offense can be this year um, you know Cedric Tillman I know was you know Athlon Sports did their preseason first team offense first team defense and Tillman's on that list I, I like the Vols. I think they're going to score a lot of points. It's that defense that concerns me. You know, uh, they, they had some nice games last year. Uh, you know, the shootout with, with Kentucky, they were able to get enough stops to win that one. But, you know, that, I think how well that defense plays this year is really what's going to make this, you know, a, a pretty good season or a great season for, for Tennessee. So, um, again, I, I can't get over enough on, you know, the strength of the quarterbacks across this league. Everybody wants to talk about, 
you know, the quarterback battles at Texas A&M and at LSU and at Auburn. And those are big storylines, don't get me wrong. But, man, I feel like we're ignoring guys like Anthony Richardson of Florida, who I thought was one of the most electric playmakers when he got on the field last year when he was healthy. And now it sounds like he's back and he's healthy, and he's the guy now. He's been handed the keys. Emory Jones has, has hit the transfer portal. He's gone. I think Anthony Richardson, if, if him and Florida can stay healthy, they're going to surprise the people win some games they're not supposed to. Obviously, you got Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama. You got Stetson Bennett at Georgia, but uh, you know Hendon Hooker, Will Levis at Kentucky. This may, you know, the, the quarterbacks. When it's all said and done, this may be one of the better crops of quarterbacks we've had in the SEC in a while. Especially if some of these battles, uh, the quarterback battles, uh, prove out. And you know, let's say Miles Brennan wins the job at LSU and is very productive. He could be one of the four or five best quarterbacks in the SEC. And I'm not going to count out. I mean, if my guy Zach Calzada wins the Auburn job, I think he could do a pretty good job. I think he could be serviceable and, and be in the top half of quarterbacks in the SEC as well. So I say all that to say, I think top to bottom, I think this could be a very, very strong year for quarterback play in the SEC. But Hendon Hooker is certainly a guy who showed last year. He, he can take over games, and I'm curious to see what he does this year. Chris, speaking of quarterback play in the SEC, as, as J.J. mentioned, we've got our eyes more focused so on uh, Georgia being on this side of the state with Auburn's uh, biggest SEC East rival. And when it comes to quarterback play for the Georgia Bulldogs, a lot of stuff on Twitter has been trending with uh, Arch Manning heading to the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know if you know anything about his latest recruitment stuff, or, but could you fill in our listeners about what you're hearing about Arch Manning, uh, what, what, where we're at with his recruitment? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, everything I've heard is is that you know they they're very high on Georgia. Obviously, winning the national championship doesn't hurt. Um, but Kirby's very you know like he's a very likable coach. Uh, you have a good offense with Todd Munkin, who's not going anywhere. It's, you know, sounds like he's going to be you know stay put. And he's going to be there a while. Um, so there's a lot of good things to sell. Uh, you're going to have stud defenses. You're going to have stud offensive weapons all around you. And, oh, by the way, yeah, I know we brought in Gunnar Stockton and, you know, uh, Beck and all these different guys, but, like, at the end of the day, if Arch Manning goes there, you know, this is Stetson's tenth last year, uh, he could start from day one at, at Georgia. If, if he goes to, you know, Texas, which I know is the other school that's way up there, Quinn Ewers just got there. Quinn Ewers, if he's very productive and Texas is good this year, Quinn Ewers isn't going to give the job up to Arch Manning next year. And so I think it's a perfect for Arts to start year one if he goes to Georgia. And, again, the more and more I hear about it and read about it, it just starts to make a lot more, a lot of sense. Um, again, I've been told, do not count out Texas. That Steve Sarkeesian has really uh, hooked his nails into Arts and, and really wants to try to convince him that, you know, he can be the guy to help turn Texas around. But I think a lot is going to have to do with what Quinn Ewers does this year at Texas. And, again, you know, what's the stability there? Year one, Sarkeesian was a big disappointment. What happens if in year two, you know, they go six and six and lose some games they're not supposed to? And it's disappointing again. Is that enough of a sell for Arch Manning? You know, when he looks at it and says, well, Georgia seems like a much more stable program. So if I had to bet it today, I would say Arch ends up at Georgia. But a few weeks ago, I thought maybe Alabama was going to be the, the place. A few weeks before that, I thought maybe it was Texas. So. It's as good a guess as anybody, but if I had to guess today, I would say Arch is going to Georgia. Chris, uh, one of the more interesting hires, I think, in the SEC, probably the most interesting hire, Brian Kelly going to LSU. They went through a dumpster fire last year, but they're obviously always going to be super talented because it's LSU. What are your expectations for the the Bengal Tigers this season? 
I think they'll lay a foundation. I mean, I think they've, they've got some talented pieces. I think they can win some games they're maybe not supposed to or maybe not expected to because I think Miles Brennan is that good. I think Jaden Daniels coming in from Arizona State, if he doesn't win the starting job, I think there are roles uh, for him to play. They can put in some packages for him to be a, a change-of-pace quarterback. They've got a good backfield. They've got some good receivers in Kayshawn Boutin. They've got some pretty good players on that defense, particularly – in the front seven uh, on that defensive line, B.J. Ojolari, some really, really good pieces. And so I think, you know, look, they're, they, they're going to be favorites against Florida State week one. They should win that one. Um, you know, I, I think an eight-and-four type season is not crazy for to expectations for Brian Kelly in year one. But it's funny, you know, when I look at the coaching rankings, uh, our buddy Bill Bender at Sporting News put out his coaching rankings the other day. And he has Brian Kelly. I think he had him at, like, number three in his coaching rankings at all of college football. And he had Jimbo Fisher at number five. And I thought that was interesting because that was the first time I've seen in a coaching rankings somebody had Brian Kelly ahead of Jimbo Fisher. But to me, it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of Brian Kelly achieved everything he could at Notre Dame. He was capped a little bit. You know, he's got guys that have to maintain 4.0 GPAs and Nothing against my alma mater at LSU, but you know I got in there did not have a four point out. Did not have a very good GPA. You don't have to maintain that to play football at LSU. So um, he's going to get a different a different type of athlete. And when I just look at the two styles, I know Jimbo just won the recruiting championship. That's great, but we're talking about trying to win a national championship. And I just wonder, man, if if Jimbo can't start doing that and, and at least competing for the SEC West here very soon and you keep losing four or five games every year, Brian Kelly's got a plan. I think within three years, Brian Kelly's going to have LSU competing for a national championship. And, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting standpoint of, you know, I never thought, you know, I would say I would have Brian Kelly ranked ahead of Jimbo Fisher, but you know what? I think as a coach overall, I think his upside is ceiling. I think Brian Kelly can absolutely win a championship with LSU. Chris, don't ever sell yourself short. Anytime I'm listening to Chris Gordy talk all things SEC, I'm like, this is one of the most educated men in the room and in the conversation. I'm going to set you up for success here. Speaking about some academics and a good institution, I know that you haven't been asked many questions about the Vanderbilt Commodores on the gridiron going into this upcoming season. I want to show you off here. Tell me something exciting or noteworthy about Vanderbilt football as we get set for 2022. Oh, man. Uh, Clark Lee's a defensive-minded coach, so maybe the defense gets better. Um, you know, I had Ken Seals on my show uh, back in, in late December, and what a cool kid, an easy kid to root for. Uh, you know, he told some great stories about how they went on the field and celebrated last year when they won their first game, and he's like, you know, I had to check myself. They're like, we're acting like we just won a championship. He's like, no, man, we fought hard. We, we went winless the year prior his freshman year. They went 0-10 or 0-9, whatever it was in the SEC that year. Uh, he's like, we're going to celebrate this, and so, yeah, it's man, it's bad. It's 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 going to get better. They are recruiting well, but recruiting well at Vanderbilt is getting some three, you know, a bunch of three stars and some four stars, whereas the Georges and the Bamas and the Auburns are getting the four and five stars. Yeah. So it's it's tough. It's going to be tough. I don't know if Ken Seals is going to win the job. I know Mike Wright looked pretty good in in the spring game and, and made some plays with his, with his legs, but. Um, Man, I, I mean, if they could get back, it, the, the ceiling at all at Vandy is you can get the six wins to get bowl eligible. That is, that is a win. James Franklin did it there, and they crowned him as a king. I just don't know if Clark Lee is going to be the guy to be able to do that there. So, yeah, I mean, optimism. Defense gets a little bit better this year, but but how much better? 
not enough to compete in the SEC. More Vandy talk always. I'm all here for it. Uh, Chris, I got to ask you this: You've been to uh, you've been to the theaters yet to see Top Gun Maverick? Not yet. I just got back. My wife and I we had a, a European trip planned for April of 2020, and that got shut down. So we just we literally just finished our European trip. So we were over in Rome and Paris and Florence and Venice and all these European cities the last two weeks. So. I was the nut job on the train going across the country, reading up SEC articles and writing down notes, and actually did my show a couple times from uh, Florence. Uh, so Incredible. If you, if you get a chance, go to my YouTube page and check that out. You can see me with uh, Florence in the background doing my Lockdown SEC show. But uh, no, I have not gotten to theaters yet. My wife and I are planning to do it this weekend to go see the new Top Gun, the new Jurassic Park, and... Looking forward to catching up on all that before we get to SEC media days here in a couple weeks. There you go. Well, look, it's uh, it's certainly great. We got out there earlier this week and, and enjoyed it. It's as good as advertised. And, um, hey, listen, I really do appreciate you taking the time to chat with us, and we're looking forward to seeing you again in person at SEC media days, okay? Yeah, going to be a lot of fun, guys. Looking forward to uh, going to do the Atlanta thing this year. Yeah. And, hey, I, I've heard a little birdie has said Nashville is in the works and maybe even a New Orleans trip down the road, so – going to be fun to take the SEC uh, media days on the road to different cities. Yes, so much so. All right, Chris, we'll talk again soon, okay? All right, thanks, guys.